Daniel Linhart, how are you? It's George, good to see you. how are you? We are in a different environment today. Um, well, I decided to have some work done in my house, which we'll get into a competition about who's having the most work, but that's a whole other place. Apparently um, we will. We, uh, we were having our floor sanded and I thought it was going to be done before we had to record and they just literally were starting five minutes before we had to you know, do this. So I think are, you could have just leaned into it, even moved the closer to the sander, like actually just followed the guy it's, around. It sounds like somebody in my house, like has a really giant base, you know, like a car mm-hmm. that drives by and they have like those subwoofer in the back of their car. It, it sounds like house. it just, mm-hmm. it just has that like ro- low rumble. Mm-hmm. And as cool as I am, I'm just not that cool to pretend like I have a big base going on in the background. So um, I don't know how to transition. You want to you you try to bring us in? Yeah, well, we have a really um, exciting episode today with two of our favorite people that we've gotten to know over the last, it's kind of crazy, over the last, it's been over a year now. Um, it was March of last year where we got to really spend some time with some folks at Form. We have Matt Johnson and Mark Harlan with us. They are the, the directors of Form, which is a, uh, a studio, a product studio, um, consulting studio in the UK. And not only uh, the cool thing about working with them over the last year is we've got to see each other's environment and space in which we do work, um, which has been a real treat for us. They made the trip over the pond to us first uh, last year to Kansas City, and then we were able to go and see them in the UK in January of this year before all the craziness hit. So I, I know George and I are both thankful that we were able to do that prior to quarantine and uh, just reduced travel regulations and all of that. So um, they are here with us today. They are, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, but just from our perspective, they are really just wise people that having in your corner can help from not only a business perspective, but also a personal perspective. I know that George and I have both learned more about business, where we want to go, and also about each other. Um, Both I've learned about George, George has learned about me, but also just who we are as individuals and as people um, from these, these fine gentlemen and the people that they have on their team. So Matt, Mark, thank you for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. pleasure. So if you would, I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have. A, I'm having a hard time controlling myself, Dan. You <laughs> strap in, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this Eddie. is this is something I've wanted to do for such a long time. Is have a conversation with you guys. Um, the experience of working with you over the last year ha, is no less than transformational. Um, and I will, you can, you can quote, you can take these quotes and go plaster everywhere because the reality is, is not only, I think Dan put it, not only for our business, which you've been working with our other leaders and, and with us and helping us, us really refine who we are, but also for us individually. Um, yeah, it's, it really has been incredible to get to know you, to know your hearts, to know your passion for people, um, for strategy. Um, so I'm so excited for you to actually explain what the heck you guys do. Um, cause I'm not exactly sure I could even tell you once you experience it, it it's incredible. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to sit back and hear you describe what is form and who are the two of you? 
Well, it's wonderful to be here. Uh, we are sitting in a lovely attic in Liverpool in the United Kingdom, uh, and we spend our lives in a very privileged position, uh, George and Dan. We get to work with some of the world's most admired digital creative and technology businesses, helping with their strategic direction, so mapping out commercially their propositions, where they're going, who they're connecting with, um, but also equally as important to us is equipping their leaders to bring their very, very best selves to their workplaces, to their lives, to their families. So we feel very privileged in the work that we do. Uh, and we kind of look at it really, really as kind of two pedals on a bike. So a bit of a strange example there, but if you're going to go and do some serious cycling, which I know you guys like doing, mm, um, I do. you're kind of not going to do it with one pedal on a bike. So you've got strategy as kind of one side of the bike that businesses need to be super smart around their proposition, how they connect with customers, how they actually articulate what they sell and why it actually matters to their customers. But there's another pedal to a bike. So Mark, what's that? Well, it's the people. <laughs> and uh, if Matt feels it's a privilege to work with um, uh, these great global companies, it feels a privilege to work with Matt. If the people thing wasn't driving the heart of our business, we wouldn't be able to do what we do mm -hmm. because we understand the importance of people within any organization. And it sounds really trite to say it these days because everyone's saying the most important asset in your business is your people. Mm -hmm. There is so much more than that to go at. And some of the work that, as you know, we've done with you guys demands a huge level of not only vulnerability, but humility, humility too, as we work in a context of trust with each other to walk alongside each other. Uh, and that uh, relationship is then developed uh, between us and the, and the way that's come out with, between Crema and Form. If, when that happens across our people, across our organizations, right throughout every level of our organizations, then we see people begin to thrive and live the best version of themselves. And uh, one of the most exciting things we've journeyed in is seeing how we can align the individual story with the story that the company mm. is about itself. And when those two things are aligned, it's a lovely thing and people really do begin to thrive and then organizations thrive. So that's the second pedal on this bicycle. I love it. Um, I love how you describe what you do as far as unlocking the potential. Those are two really just purposeful and great words there. Unpack it a little bit. So um, with the context of who is form, so you've described who you, who you are and what, uh, who form is, but what do you do? What does it look like for you to engage with a person, a team, a company to help them unlock their potential? What does that look like? Oh, so you can probably sense we just don't feel like we ever go to work like <laughs> just enjoy the privilege we have of really unpacking uh kind of how businesses can thrive in the 21st century um, mm -hmm. you know, the global pandemic the changes that we're seeing around the world right at this moment in time i heard a brilliant leader say the other day is this just a dress rehearsal for what's next you know oh that's good 
this resilience, this uncertainty and being able to navigate and get our footing back really quickly is going to be so, so important. So kind of what we do and how we work, you know, we'll use the classic diagnostics. We'll work with leadership teams to understand where they're at with their proposition. How's their customer satisfaction going? Have they got a balanced scorecard in place? We'll use all of the traditional metrics, but really what we're driving at is how do we get your customers in your businesses that we work with fully understanding why you matter, mm -hmm. why their price doesn't become just yet another tendering situation or a procurement situation, but actually we're going to seek out that company who might be on the other side of the world because we love what they do and we think that they deliver value. So we are really about that holistic product, the teams, the processes, and the sales articulation of that messaging out to the businesses. So we'll do that through workshops, strategy sprints, um, you know, remote coaching, um, you know, leaders across the world. So um, you, you, you name it, we'll use those tools. Um, but it's very much bringing uh, our best selves into those environments and challenging the status quo. Uh, we're not interested in working alongside leaders that are happy to kind of just be stuck, frozen. Uh, yeah. We're really interested in pushing into businesses that are, are really looking forward. Yeah. So that's probably my, my thoughts of what we do, old man. <laughs> that's shocking. <laughs> um, I'm very kind. Um, it's never work with uh, animals or young children. That's, all, that's what I think. <laughs> so um, um, it's not that different, really, that the language that Matt uses about, about the organization. I feel the same about about the people you know we you do we use diagnostics within an understanding people and understanding ourselves because when we have a, a richer understanding ourselves we can live in the truth and that truth will set us free mm -hmm. and because we are set free as individuals we can walk right into our our calling and our destiny and our purpose as individuals well that's a good list you know and when we create in our organizations when we create a psychological safety uh, our, our teams bring themselves because they're not frightened about their self-regard then being battered they're not frightened about their status being reduced they're not frightened about their career being limited it's the opposite of that they know their career is going to be enhanced and and it, um, enlarged they know their status and self-regard is going to to go up because they're able to make a successful contribution uh, in, in not only their own lives but and in the lives of their companies but also broader uh, than that and that's the adventure I think your businesses uh, have now got actually in a far greater it's been brought into a far greater focus in how our organizations can overflow and impact for good in their communities and globally and when we link that with how the individual can be connected to how they influence for good and make a contribution wider than just themselves and their own finances or the company's finances but actually into the blessing the community and making a wider impact then the adventure really starts now we can really have some fun i think something that you you alluded to but i think what is incredible is that so many creative companies especially creative service providers they oftentimes they kind of accidentally fall into this space right mm -hmm. you you start doing this creative work people people find the work that you do good and then you get more work and then it kind of becomes this thing and then you start hiring people and now all of a sudden you have a culture and you've you've built this organization and it's you look back and you go well it worked don't get me wrong we did some things but I don't, 
I don't know how it worked. I don't know. I, I don't know why it worked. I don't know how to help these these employees or our clients flourish. Uh, um, we we just we kind of just kept moving forward, and now we're here ten years later, and um, we're not exactly sure what to do next or how to put language to things or how to help people. And I think that was what's been so incredible for us to work with you guys is that it's we we got to a stage where it was. Yeah, we, some things worked, right? We built an incredible company. We're very proud of that. And we want to, we want to push even further in. And um, you're both, both from the workshops and the coaching and from the, uh, the mentorship, there's just this ability to kind of take and go further and deeper in, uh, which is maybe some language to steal from something else. But this, this idea of, of being able to say, man, you still have so much potential to unlock, which I think that language is great. Um, even 10 years later, right? Even when you feel like you're maybe hitting your strides. Um, yeah, you're just getting going. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, which is so exciting. The mystery begins to unfold, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, can, I can promise, having met you, George, you are a mystery. <laughs> and, and that in itself is exciting, right? Because we can explore Mystery it. or enigma? Which yeah. one did it? <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah. Both hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's probably an Enneagram 7. He wants it all. Mm -hmm. right. We know it. Us yeah, so so yeah. listening to you guys, uh, two undeniable truths um, have surfaced. One, you are so much more intelligent uh, than George and I, which is why we mm -hmm. love working with you. That's number mm -hmm. one. Yep. Number one. two is the level of passion yeah. that comes from it. You can just hear it in both of your voices. So if you wouldn't mind, give us just a, a quick bit on where did that passion come from? And it may lead to here's where I started and this is yeah, how yeah. form came, but where's that passion of strategy and unlocking business potential and unlocking the potential within a person come from? Oh, brilliant question. Uh, I'll start because my, my sort of CV is a little bit shorter than the granddad in the corner. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 25 years working in the digital creative tech sector, came, fell out of uni, few mates, we set up a digital transformation business. Uh, we're very fortunate, this was back in 1997. Can you imagine the word digital transformation being used then? Mm -hmm. uh, and we got going and we got in our stride and we started to run and we ran hard for a lot of years. Uh, and we enjoyed unbelievable success. Uh, and that really kind of cemented my understanding and passion for business about how you grow um, businesses that will sustain way past kind of founders' mm. involvements, that they will last yeah. the test of time and will create legacy. Um, I then took a decision about seven years ago to step out of that, which was a really challenging uh, decision to make as a, as a founder of a business. Uh, did a, a management buyout to the team that were there uh, and then stepped out and really spent about three years of my life working as an NED, an investor, getting alongside business leaders and really starting to unpack well, what makes those businesses that kind of go from good to great. We've all seen it. We've all read it. What? is in that DNA within that mid-sized businesses, those businesses at 50 to 250 people, what's the magic ingredients that need mm. to be kind of finessed, nurtured, developed, uh, and treating it much more like a gardener. So rather than it just being like, what's our next quarter's results? Going, hey, we might need to leave that, that field out there for a couple of years and just leave it. Like we've mm. over, overstretched mm -hmm. that team for the last six months. Why don't we just say to them, 
in January, take a week off. Like mm-hmm. you, you guys have more than delivered for us. So just trying to think about different models, different ways of doing things. Um, and then I've got a huge heart for global um, kind of development. So um, I'm also co-founder of an organization called B1% and we encourage people to give 1% of their income each month to causes that eradicate poverty. And we work with some of the world's most admired, smartest NGOs um, out there uh, working with the world's poorest. So um, that's where I, I split my time. So that's me. And uh, back in 1901, when I first started my journey, <laughs> None taken, Matthew. None taken. Uh, <laughs> um, it looks good for that guy. Oh it? man, you were you were rocking it. Yeah, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Um, uh, I too started up a, an agency um, in uh, in advertising and design, and that was before there was anything such as online. I had to work out and learn what a PDF was. <laughs> Who knew? Um, so yeah, I'm quite old. However. Um, as, as my career progressed, I began to see that I really cared much more about uh, the way that people worked and the way I could help them uh, meet life and all its challenges than come up with a, a crazily smart strap line. And believe me, I have come up with a few. Um, <laughs> so so it, it was really how uh, I, I, I could see that the, 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 the buyers and the, and, the, and the companies that I was working with uh, were dealing with life's challenges. And I mm. and, ended up spending as much time helping them navigate life's challenges and how difficult life was uh, as with the challenges that they were um, navigating in, in their businesses. So we, I should spend, you know, in every two hours with a, in a meeting, I should spend half of that time talking to them about their, their, their recent family challenges, you know, uh, and, it, and I, I began to realise that that was such an important part of our relationship and they valued it so much that I began to have two parts to our business. Uh, one was the creative and design stuff and one was the people side of it. Mm. And uh, then eventually I let the uh, people, uh, the, the, I, I focused on the people side of it and, and let the creative and design thing go. I gave it away to the team. Uh, note that I gave it away. I didn't sell it to a management buyout like Matthew did. I gave it away. <laughs> I think generosity is such an attractive. Uh, you are more righteous than he is, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But then finding someone who was, I felt like a kindred spirit in Matt. You know, he, yeah. he he is the most generous man I know, and the most loving man I know, and therefore to be able to work alongside him, and he gives me space as the the the, the aged mystic in the corner to be able to go and. Uh, work with people to be able to dovetail in business strategy and commercial strategy and yet enable people to to live their best version of themselves where that then adds into the commercial delivery of an organization mm-hmm. it's not just a, a sort of a, a therapeutic uh, nod towards caring for people no 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 it's actually uh, a, a core part of business of form and a core part of the way form delivers delivers itself into its client base that we understand that this is the other pedal on the bike if it's out of whack it will cost the business Mm -hmm. won't operate as effectively Mm -hmm. and so creating that dynamic where leadership and uh, owners of businesses can really grapple with the personal challenges that they're feeling and that is 
is therapeutic alongside the insights that a diagnostic will give them around their proclivities or around their emotional intelligence. Uh, what? Proclivity. <laughs> Sorry, I know this is a mo- mainly US podcast, but I've lived in the UK a long time and yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. It's a word with more than four syllables. Matt is not going to get on with it. Yeah, we. It went over my head. I just I just smile and nod a lot, so uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, me too. Much more. It's like partnering with this guy. You Let's feel see. stupid every day. Let's look at we... Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's the kind of thing that you've got energy for. So some yeah. people have got ideas, guys. Some people want to do strategy. Some people want to do um, the implementation stuff, and some people want to do. The, the polishing and making it perfect. And some people sit in the middle and want to orchestrate the whole thing. They want to make the people sing, you know. So it's, it's what, what have you got energy for? Where are you going to lean in? So understanding mm-hmm. who I am in that space mm-hmm. and then being seen, known, and accepted for bringing that in and perhaps yeah. being loved, dare I say, for bringing those things in enables me to really blossom as an individual. Like my shoulders go back, my chin comes up because I know that whenever I... I'm in this working space. I can be who I was created to be. That's, mm. that's a good thing. So something <clears throat> you've been spending time with our leadership team, and I think you're leaning into a lot of that language that you've been using with them. And it, it, it has been incredible to see, not only have they spoken out saying, man, I, I've learned so much about myself, but then to see how much better they work together the, the, the balance that they have and how they lean into each other's strengths and that they, they supplement or, or um, you know, encourage the growth in someone's weaknesses. And um, I think it's been incredible to see outside of us, of course, we're getting a lot from it, but our, our leadership mm-hmm. team to see what they're experiencing. And, and, you know, we've tried to do those things with far less experience and diagnostic tools. And, um, but the heart has been the same. And I think that's where we aligned, right? Was yeah. we got a chance to meet the two of you and, and some others. And we, we knew there was something aligned for, with our passion for not only great work, but our passion and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't use that word, love for people. Mm-hmm. And what we have found for ourselves, and I think a lot of organizations struggle to figure out, why can't I retain folks? Why, can't, why is recruiting so hard? Mm-hmm. Why are we not delivering on our promises? Um, yes, we're outputting. But are we actually, you know, achieving these outcomes? Um, and I think we have found, uh, we've been blessed to be able to say to a lot of people, hey, you know what? We, we, our retainment is crazy. We haven't had anybody leave Crema in almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and longer than that, there wasn't very many people left before then. There's only been a few folks that have ever left in 10 years. And, and recruiting, when we put out the for, for new, the fact that we are hiring, for the most part, we have a lot of people that want to work here because we do a lot of work trying to tell the world that this is an incredible place where you will be seen, you will be known, you will be heard. Um, now, but I think with form, we've been able to kind of unpack that even greater and say, how can we take that to the next level? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious though, that's easier said than done. What are some of the, sh- the challenges or the barriers that you see organizations face as they're kind of stepping into this, um, this stage of, of scaling their companies or growing their companies, keeping that balance still in check when you've got maybe more bodies, more people, more bureaucracy, more, you know, what does that look like? I think we would say uh, the businesses that are out there are attracting the very, very best talent and most importantly, retaining those individuals. 
have such razor sharp clarity around their strategic direction. Mm. They understand their purpose. They understand their vision. They understand mm-hmm. their mission and they understand their values. And you can ask anyone in their team what that is and you'll really be able to understand it. So those businesses that are so good at telling that story around that employee proposition, like why come and work here? You can code anywhere. You mm-hmm. can be a software engineer anywhere. You can design anywhere. You can get paid more anywhere. <laughs> right. What is it that's just going to draw those people in? And I think this is this like grow slowly, grow well. I think is something that we always try and look at, you know, in this world of the unicorn and the scale and the, the chasing the yeah. next et cetera. It's like, that's great. But also building something for legacy is just as valid. And I think just for any listeners out there, if you're building you know, a product team internally, if you're out there thinking, how do I coach some of my guys? Play the long game. You know, pick out your stars, understand who's on your team, who's going to help you embed some of these things. Yeah, and do anything as simple as set up a book club together, set up, you know, listening to a podcast together, you know, get your two or three folks around you within your bigger organization and go, like, let's start to mimic some of these attributes and ideas about how we can kind of grow and scale our business so i think that's sort of more to like the guys working on the kind of internal side of building product teams and kind of coaching is so important in that space like getting like how how do how do how do they mimic being brilliant digital product studios and it can't be done but it needs to be coached and the environments need to change etc um so i think you know other other challenges that leaders face is ultimately is resilience and confidence so actually having the tenacity to some days all we can do is put one foot in front of the other isn't it or just get out of bed even before we start walking i just need to take that cover off and actually get out of bed yeah now your shoes have you guys seen the Andy Murray documentary on Amazon Prime? Uh, no, I have not, but I have seen that it's promoted. He, he crawls out of bed and he cannot put his slippers on. He's in so much pain and he's still world number one on that day. And yet he just had to get out of bed and get downstairs into a pool and swim against the jets because that's all he could do that day. He couldn't walk. Right. He knew that he had to just get out of bed. And that was still when he was ranked number one. It's just crazy. <laughs> Fantastic documentary yeah. of resilience and perseverance. If any listeners are kind of interested in kind of tracking those types of stories. So I think, yeah, kind of clarity and then confidence and resilience are took sort of two that jump out for me. What about you, Mark? Um, I, I think that if we're creating the right culture for, for our our people. And again, a lot of these words have been robbed. Um, mm. We've lost, we've lost them. We need to re, re take them back, back really. But when we're creating a culture where there's grace for not knowing, uh, there's grace to try things and fail. And there's no shame and humiliation in that, um, where there's play, uh, and there's the potential of doing some good work and we don't know, we, we're trying, we're all in this together. Like we were saying before about the mystery, um, because we haven't got it all nailed down. We're, 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 we're trying together, not knowing what the outcomes are going to be. I, I think these are the kind of cultural uh, aspects which really help us explore uh, the future of scale. Because mm-hmm. it's 
limited. It's not bounded to one person's view from the top of the size and the shape. It's a, col it's a collective understanding. And because of that, it's, it's multipliable. You know, it's, um, it's an exponential growth rather than an arithmetic growth, if you know your math. So it's, it's, it's those kind of uh, cultural um, uh, aspects which, which can really help our people engage with the organization in a much, much healthier way. Uh, and and that, that brings scale and scale at pace. I think that's what I mean. You know, it's not limited to one person or the leadership's view of scale. It's all contributing to scale at pace mm -hmm. and accelerates. There's a really interesting word Mark sort of said there about playful. Well, we always say as form as a core team, it's like camaraderie. Like we mm -hmm. need those stories that of the togetherness. And that sometimes comes in the failure. That comes yeah. in the yeah, the shared disaster. Yeah, yeah, where you just go, can you remember when? And those moments are so important to bake into the DNA and the nervous system and the neural pathways of organizations. Yeah. Camaraderie is, I think, really, really untapped mm -hmm. of way to attract and retain people. Because you look at the restaurant, don't you, where there's 10 people around the table and you look at them and go, I'd like to be on that table. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they might be socially distanced, but man, <laughs> right. I think something really interesting I heard there um, between both of you is that, uh, Mark, you mentioned exponential. And so this idea that if you really want to get your organization to where it's not one plus one equals two, but it's one plus one equals so much more than two, is yeah. it takes... Um, scaling is not, it is a game of numbers, but it's so much more than a game of numbers. It's also, because even Matt, you were talking about clarity. Um, it can't just be the leaders that have clarity. I feel like there was a saying that I heard a long time ago um, from an advisor is that if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. And you don't want to be on any path. You want to be on the right path. And I think that to be on the path of where you want to go, it just can't be the people that are um, out in front knowing where we're going. Everyone on the organization, everyone in the culture, um, you have to have that culture of clarity, razor sharp clarity of so that you can always fall back on it too. It's like, we know where we're going, but even if we get off the beaten path a little bit and we play and we explore, it's okay because we can always come back to what we know because we're all clear around the purpose and the values. And so I love that is like, if you want to uh, one plus one to the exponential, your organization, yes, strategy, yes, clarity, but it's also a mix of the people. Um, yeah. But, but so many companies, <clears throat> I mean, we've been having a lot of conversations. I've been testing a lot of this language with other people and we've been looking at coaching and, and so ways that we can help people with their product team culture as well. And one of the things that we hear almost the most, especially if you're talking to practitioners, the, the folks that are on, you know, the kind of ground level is they'll basically say, that sounds amazing and I want that, but my, my leadership will never allow that to happen. You know, either they, they're under someone who just desires to have control or they're working out of fear or... Um, they want to be that person that's just out in front all the time, making all the decisions. What, what do you say to those folks that are maybe in a culture where they're really, I'm, I'm pushing you a little bit, maybe um, into an area that's hard to answer, but to the, to those that are, are, are being challenged by the environment that they might be in. And also how have you seen leaders really shift their posture um, from being where I don't know how not, I don't know how to work in a way that isn't just about every decision goes through me or, you know, you know what I mean? I, I'll let you run with that, but I'm kind of curious as to how you've uh, seen that play out. 
So we're going to both want to say a lot about this, but I'll kick us off. It's about persuasion and influence. All of us are in sales, Mm -hmm. wherever we are, whether you're working in reception or you're the CEO of the organization, we are all in sales. We are all Monday to Friday, even the weekends, selling, communicating on dating apps, on communication of how we're perceived within trustee boards. We're always putting out there this view. And I think the advice that I give to folk, and it's not an uncommon question, George, it's a brilliant question. It's like, but, but my leadership teams just don't get this stuff. Well, if you feel like you are in the right place, that's the first question to ask. Get some coaching is, am I in the right place that I can actually thrive? If the answer is yes, for whatever reason that is, then get to work and have some real excitement about how you influence those people. So I'm working with a younger leader at the moment who's absolutely in the right place, but we're having such fun of influencing those people around him to make sure that they can sort of see where that trajectory is for that individual. So mm. that's my view. Right, I was just having to write some notes there. Um, my, my perspective is that um, if you're in an organization where someone is uh, in a senior significant role within the organization where they have control and they want control um, and they need to be right, Uh, We've all heard about psychopathic bosses and narcissistic bosses. I get all that. What we know is that that is an illusion. Control is an illusion. Hmm. Um, No one could have foreseen COVID. Well, Bill Gates did three years ago, right? um, He doesn't apply. He's on a different plane. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. So control is an illusion. We we, we can't predict what's going to happen even tomorrow, let alone uh, in five years' time. And people who right all the time are going to restrict organizations now if you're in one of those organizations uh, to be able to bring yourself fully into it needs a lot of courage you need to have a lot of bravery but in, in the same way that we would understand the the phrase a, a person's gift makes way for them your ability to be able to bring yourself even into an environment of control is really important. And we'll coach a lot of people to do that. How do they deliver themselves in a non-offensive way up against the controlling mechanisms to mm-hmm. pull the thread that is uh, control is about insecurity, normally delivered by insecurity and fear. So we, we create secure and, um, and safe environments for people to be able to pull those threads uh, away pull them, pull up them, and then deliver themselves into it to to model something different, to model something new. And life has an odd way of throwing particularly large curveballs, doesn't it, right? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to use that language and to walk alongside people without being destabilized when those uh, curveballs come in gives you currency when the next one comes in because it's not about you having all your ducks in a row and understanding everything and having all the answers. It's much more about how I adapt and how I uh, absorb the unexpected. Um, there's a chap I know, who a tall guy, uh, who, who, who immediately says when there's a complete disaster, he says, Mark, how fascinating. Now, what I, what I know, when he says that, I have to strap in because something really challenging has just happened. And Matt's first reaction is to say, 
how fascinating. Rather than let the bomb go off and try and run around and try and work everything out, he just sits back and absorbs it a bit and says, how fascinating. You see, and that ability to not have this tense, um, high control, really tense um, approach to things, but it's far more relaxed. Uh, uh, a bit like Andy Murray going swimming, what he's doing, he's untensing all those tensed up muscles, enables us to be able to influence at the highest level because we don't get rattled. When all around are losing their heads, mm. we say now as my friend, that, that's it. And that being, being able to um, survive and even thrive in the pressure cooker uh, means that we can lead the way because others will follow. When we've got a calm voice uh, in the chaos, people will follow us. When we can surf over the top of the chaos, the, the troubled waters, people will follow us. And, and that's really important. And it doesn't matter where you are in the organization, right? It doesn't matter where you are in the organization. Yeah. That is a way of being. Mm -hmm. We want people who can exude peace in the storm. Mark's far more eloquent than us all. He's great, isn't he? But, <laughs> yeah, we work with a, a clinical psychiatrist, <laughs> a dear friend of ours, uh, Tarika. And he says, in really layman's language, which a more simpleton would understand, which is, we need to get off the dance floor and get on the balcony. And that's what this is about. We need to not be in the melee and the chaos right in the middle of our product teams, in a launch, um, in a go yeah. We need to step up. So what's our routines and rhythms for stepping up? Is it meditation? Is it a run? Is it a cycle? What are you building into your daily, your weekly habits, which are making you make sure that you can survive this brutal world? You know, how are we all sort of addressing those, those challenges that we just need these release valves, don't we? We all need them. Mm -hmm. And I um, feel like we're very privileged to be part of all of us globally uh, right at this point history that actually um, there's some opportunity for some um, ways of doing things that can be looked at that are differently some systemic injustices mm -hmm. that need tackling um, uh, uh, and that's exciting that is exciting and it is about the behaviors we're going to walk out of these scenarios with right so how are we going to embody uh, how caring we are how are we go going to embody kindness in our environments how mm. are we have grace for not knowing uh, when, uh, and when people are struggling with different things. You know, uh, these are wonderful opportunities where we uh, are, are already uh, learning different skills as old people like me who don't understand what Zoom is. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's understanding that you've Ed got... Canaveral. Yeah, what is that? You've got... You've, <laughs> You've automatically got grace for it, right? Everyone's got a bit more grace for the sound not being right or for mm -hmm. the, the screen freezing, you see. And, and, and what I'm observing is that that grace can exist when things uh, start to be creating in, in the new model, being created in the new model. How can we bring yeah. grace and that kindness for the, for the not knowing, for the, old, for the old people that we've got in our organizations, for the new guys coming in who don't know how to how do we even be an employee yet? Mm -hmm. you know, my, my son, bless him, has just taken his exams online. He's in the last month of being at university. He's been robbed of that last month on campus. Yeah. He's done exams online with his, his um, 
the people he sees every day are his parents rather than his peers. That's not good. No. That's gone right for the poor. Not right? at that stage of life. That's not yeah. what, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's right. And then he's going to try and get a job. Mm. He knows nothing mm -hmm. about work, you know, really. He's going to try and get a job. So he's going to know nothing. But having grace for someone like him and saying, oh, how can we include you and begin to give you a skill set that, yes, you're a very good mathematician, but how does that fit? How do we begin to help you thrive in a new world? And actually, what have you got to tell us? Because yeah. you and this world in a different way. You, you right. haven't got perspectives. That, and how can we embrace that and learn from one another? I think these, if we can take these values into, into the new world, I think we'll, we'll, we'll look back and say that actually we learned a lot of good things out of COVID. We learned a lot of good mm -hmm. things. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Mark. Um, the one thing that I'm hopeful um, from this experience that I've seen and that I've had conversations with many people, neighbors, um, people I see that, you know, the world the same with some people I don't see the world the same with, but the commonality, which has been fascinating is the integration once again, to a certain extent, not fully, but of, of home life, family life and work life. Um, and everyone I've talked to, yes, it's, it's hard to work at home uh, with kids or there's, you know, there is interruptions that I didn't, what's that? Sanding your floor. <laughs> Seriously. Hence why we are not where we normally are right now. Yeah. But the, yeah. the idea of having your family see you at work and kind of be there as well as just the grace, like you said, Mark, of people having for the people on the other end of the screen and seeing their kids walk behind um, getting a doll or a toy or whatever is just, I think they're, I'm hoping that just the pace of life and the integration of the home and work again um, can have a positive effect on a culture that's overpaced, that's probably overscheduled, um, and just being able to take a step back and have that integration again to me has been hopeful. Yeah. Can I just add to that? Dan? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because I, I think the next level of that is that the prevailing levels of anxiety that most people are now walking with have come down a notch. Hmm. Right? Hmm. Now, I get that's not complete. I get that that's not a whole picture. But we have the privilege of working in the DCT sector, which means that in a lot of ways, it's the least, one of the least affected industries because companies are crying out for our skill set to be able to say, how do we navigate and accelerate our adoption of technology and digital, digital skills to, to run our businesses, right? So we are privileged, and I get that. However, the prevailing levels of anxiety for us as individuals has come down because we are not running backwards and forwards delivering and picking up our kids mm -hmm. because we've worked out that we're going to get online shopping delivered. Uh, my, my wife used to uh, do most of our shopping uh, and she would go out three, four, five times a week. Now she goes out once a week. Mm -hmm. um, we're not... Mark goes out the other four. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and so our lives have become simpler in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. and because of that simplicity, uh, our prevailing levels of anxiety have come down. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm making this shape uh, with my hands here, I've got a hand, one hand above the other, is we've, we've arrived back in our window of tolerance for mm -hmm. things. We're mm -hmm. neither 
hyper aroused because we, we're just so anxious, we're running around like a mad thing, mm-hmm. or we are so hypo aroused, we've just almost resigned and we've got no joie de vie. We don't want to get out of bed because we're fundamentally depressed, right? Right, right. We drive back in our window of tolerance for things. The, the world is beginning to open up again. Uh, we're beginning to lean back into things because the overwhelm that we've suffered for the last decade or two has slightly reduced because we are limited, we are restricted, Mm. we're being kinder to ourselves, we're not consuming news 24 hours, we've sat with our families and and binged, watched a bit of television, we've had more meals with each other. Yeah, yeah. We've we've had more tolerance for our employees and our our bosses. Uh, We've understood that... um, as you say, Dan, when a child comes in wanting a bit of attention, um, although I did try this trick, um, uh, one, of, uh, one of the Zooms I was on was, um, was interrupted by uh, uh, someone coming in with a cup of tea. So I, I, I'd already lined up my son to say, yes, I said, yes, you can come and see the people and just wave, but you can only do it for 30 seconds. And he sat on my lap when he's <laughs> five and he's 22. Right? So I thought, I'm going to riff this, you know, I'm going to make this... <laughs> so good yeah yeah yeah. but but the serious point i'm trying to make here is that we have had a reduction in our levels of anxiety yeah Mm. and it's our choice as to whether we ramp those back up again or how we have a choice as to whether we try to hold on to some of these deep life lessons that we have learned and we can walk into a hope in a future into our futures with a bit more hope and a Mm. bit more balance uh, with, uh, in, in our lives. I think I love how you put it down. It's just, you know, we've been overpaced and overscheduled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that simple. Like we've just all been running too fast, too hard for too long. And you wonder whether it's just been a great reset. And yeah, the cry is, do, do we actually listen to the warning of being caught on the naughty step for 12 weeks? Yeah. <laughs> Right. We will will this actually change anything once it opens back up? Do we just go straight yeah. back and running back to the way things were, or do we mm-hmm. take the opportunity to see the world uh, in a totally different way? Um, there will be, there will be a mix of both for no no question. But yeah. the, leadership teams that take time now to yeah. go, what are the lessons we're taking into the next chapter of our company's history? What mm-hmm. are we keeping and what we're losing? what we're going to right. accelerate, what we're just going to park as past. I think those companies, again, will be setting themselves on a fantastic trajectory moving forward. Okay. So you have been quarantined for, what, three months now? Something like this? Um, to that? What, what's something that you, um, given that you spend a lot of time coaching and mentoring, what's something that you are cu- currently learning or something you're listening to, a podcast or a book that you spent time in, um, how are you growing right now? Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that we love doing is just mining the world's best books, really. And uh, a client really cl- kindly, just before lockdown, sent me a book in the post just to say, "I think you'll really enjoy this, Matt." And it was called Utopia for Realists. And I haven't heard of this. It has deeply challenged me. It looks at economic and historic theory and the political sort of narrative across three or four major topics, two of them being um, 
the universal basic income model, which I think particularly for the US is certainly probably within the Democrats, probably getting traction right now. Sure. And then also um, looking at kind of the free movement of people. And those are two things that are probably quite close to my heart, but to see the economic hard evidence that these things work, they make the world a better place hmm. from academic, academic, political, historical, and economic research. It's just killed me. Like every so often you read that book, don't you? Probably every 10 years that just gets you. So it's Utopia for Realists, uh, written by a fantastic Dutch author who's also just released a book during lockdown, I think, called Humankind. Um, so two, two brilliant recommendations from me. Uh, so for me, I, I've read a book called Don Quixote. What? Yeah, um, Don Quixote. It was written in about 16... 11, I think. Uh, it's uh, a, a your dad. Yeah, pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Spanish, Spanish work. And um, it's a very slow journey through uh, 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 and the story of a knight errant and, uh, and his, his squire, Sancho Panches. And uh, if you know the, the story of the guy who tilted at windmills on his horse with a lance, that's him. A uh, very famous by, painting by Picasso. Um, and uh, what I learned from it was uh, the, the, the uneasy bedfellows that madness and wisdom can sometimes be. And uh, the, the, the story is about his, his expressing his desire to be a knight errant, and he was uh, uh, simultaneously mad and wise. Mm. And that really helped me understand that we, we, we can't be too um, convinced of our own agency we have to be understanding we are all uh, a, a little bit mad uh, <laughs> and you know uh, for someone who's walked down the a little bit mad road for quite a long time and long longer long than you guys i'm a lot mad and uh, it was just nice to be able to think that that's that's okay to be a little bit mad i'm also reading a book called hold me tight uh mm-hmm. which is a fantastic book about how uh, attachment, uh, how really we good. as people, and uh, it's 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 as good for our marriages and our relationships and how we operate at work. It, it runs right away through uh, how we can work very uh, healthily with one another. Yeah, my wife and I read the same thing. It's fantastic. Yeah, Sue Johnson. Yeah, brilliant book. And this is uh, just another reason why you guys are incredible. Both of those book examples, those, those learnings are not what you expect and, and also extremely um, both interesting and inspiring. So, um, well, gentlemen, I, I don't even know how to say thank you enough. You have been such an incredible um, part of our story um, at Crema. And I, I can only hope that um, others will get the privilege of getting to, to spend some time uh, with you. We, we accidentally kind of like sought you out and, um, found you and convinced you to work with some Americans and that, that, that I think it's gone. Okay. I don't know how you feel. I feel like it's gone. All right. Um, but, so, uh, so, right. So, yeah. so, so, I mean, um, give it a strong 9.8 out of 10. All right. Oh, that is, that is really good. Yeah. I'm going to review their account. Now, yeah, what's yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but it, it has been such a pleasure to both get to know you, but both professionally and personally. And I do, 
it's not lip service. I mean, it's not lip service that you're where your hearts are for the work that you do. Um, so I know we started off with you saying this is something that you you don't feel like you get have to go to work every day. This is this is something you just get the pleasure to do and the privilege to do, and that's obvious. Um, and so so thank you for being a part of our lives. I hope that this has been um, just even a glimpse into. Um, us convincing you to start your own podcast. Um, so we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll get you there. We'll get you there. If you want to come up with some name titles, we're open. We, we, we've got a good name for it already. Yeah, we? we've got an okay name for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a option hanger. six. Option six. Option six. <laughs> That's what you guys, your option six. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll let you be one ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Fantastic to to uh, to communicate uh, to connect with you guys and and the teams and and the customers you serve so passionately. So uh, thank you for letting us be part of that story. We do appreciate it. Yeah, mm. and Dan, I believe we've got our one to one next week. So make sure you've done your homework, right? Absolutely, <laughs> and Absolutely. that's what it's actually like. That's what it's actually like. That's right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to another ep- episode of Option Five. If you haven't already, make sure that you um, uh, subscribe to either the YouTube channel or to wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, go over to iTunes and leave us a five star review because we get to and talk to such incredible people like Matt and Mark. I mean, that deserves five stars. So go mm. ahead, um, do that for us. And um, be sure to share this with your peers, with your bosses, with your team, with your, um, your mother-in-law, um, and you know anyone else that seems right to, to, um, to care for people and for the flourishing of others. Um, like we always say, Crema, and you guys helped us with this, uh, we believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. And so we're happy to be doing that through this podcast and through what we do at Crema. So if you want to learn more about Crema, go check out crema.us. Um, thank you guys for joining us and thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah. My name is Matt Cole and I'm the VP of Engineering. I lead the engineering team at Crema along with cybersecurity and operations. I work alongside the leadership team as well as our ops and admin team, engineering team, and sales team to support them, remove roadblocks, and strategically collaborate on goals and ways to improve Crema. I enjoy working at Crema because I get to be around the most creative, curious, innovative people that are fully empowered to push our mission forward and to push our entire company forward. Option 5 is a podcast by Crema, a digital product agency that creates web and mobile apps for disruptive companies and industry leaders. We believe that design, technology, and culture can help create a world where individuals and companies thrive. Learn more at crema.us.